Welcome back to the back porch. We have your co-host Matthew Trollinger. How's it going? And your other co-host Cruz Chavez. Bruh, what's going on? Just trying to stay cool, man. It's, it's been stinking hot outside. That's for sure. Yeah, I would kill to have a indoor air conditioned job this week. It. <laughs> well, I will say I'm pretty blessed. I'm pretty blessed because I went from one job that had was you know AC controlled to another job that's also AC controlled. But I commend the guys that work outside for real, dude. That's a I couldn't do that. Yeah, it's rough, and I feel even bad, even worse for some of the guys on our crew because I'm in the shop, so I can at least like go in the break room and sit in the air conditioner for a little bit if I get hot. Yeah. Go take a break. Yeah. But some of them guys, especially out there on like the asphalt machine, that thing's running 350 degree asphalt through it, so they're just sitting on top of the oven while it's over 100 outside. That's got to be miserable. I bet it is, man. Hats off to those guys. Does the does the county does that do they pay for like do they have like ice chests and just stock that thing? Yeah, up? they usually all our crews they have ice chests. We have an ice machine, so they fill their dill up with ice every day and water and Gatorade and stuff. That at least they have that. Yeah. Because you know? caring for caring for their like you know physical well well being. Because I I used to work at a at a mechanic shop where. There was a guy, and this was during the summertime, so it got pretty hot, and there was a guy who wouldn't drink any water. He would just drink Dr. Pepper, like, the entire day, and it didn't matter if it was hot or cold. He would just grab one out of his truck and just drink it, and I'm like, dude, you need water. You're going to pass <laughs> You're gonna out. You're going to die out here. Yes, and he wouldn't. That's he wouldn't. Crazy. And it drove me nuts, because I'm like, he's probably about as old as I was, maybe a little older, and I'm like, dude, this... You're not gonna live for very long if you keep keep this up. <laughs> I can't drink pop when it's that hot out. Like I just want, I just crave water. Yeah, and nothing but water. Same ice cold water. When it's that hot outside, and I've been outside for for like a long time, all I want is water. Mm-hmm. Not even Gatorade sounds good. Yeah, Gatorade some, just to me like when it's hot out makes you even more thirsty. Yes, it does. It does not quench your thirst. All the sugar in it, it just doesn't yeah, it doesn't do it justice. Mm-mm. God knew what he was doing when he made water. Amen. He sure did. I like the Body Armor Zeros, the mm. zero sugar. Yeah. The peach mango yeah. is the best. I don't think I've tried the zero. I've tried Dude, Body Armor. So much better than regular Body Armor. Really? A, a million times. I better. need to try one. I'll bring you one. Okay, I'm gonna hold you to it. Got some in the fridge. I'll bring you <laughs> one. <laughs> They're so good. Okay, so where we are in in our message is we're going over First Timothy. Last week we went over chapter one. Um, Paul was giving his his warning against false teachers, and then also about uh, Christ Jesus who came to save sinners. And so he kind of gave um, a little bit of his testimony. If you if you weren't if you weren't a part of last last week's message, um, Paul is writing to a guy named Timothy. Timothy is this young pastor who is in love with Jesus and he's ready to take on leadership. And actually, he's taking on leadership for Paul while Paul is absent. So Paul is actually in prison um, because he loves Jesus so he loves Jesus so much that he you know, wasn't willing to stop serving and preaching and just diligently serving the Lord to the point that led him to being imprisoned. 
Um, so now he's writing these letters to Timothy, to the church of Ephesus. And so this week we're going over chapter two and the first, okay, I'll, I'll just go ahead and say this. There are two parts to this message, to chapter two, and we're going to talk about both. I really feel as if we both feel, me and Matthew feel as if both parts of this message, um, the first part isn't as controversial but the second part can be pretty controversial mm-hmm. um, just because of the world and time that we live in right now, which is the U.S. There are parts of the country where, um, where this would resonate a little more with, but God's word does not turn void, return void. So I want to go ahead and, and just put that out there that we're not going to sit here and try to uh, twist God's word. We're not going to conform it to your opinion or to anyone else's opinion. We're going to lay it out for you guys. And so that's what we're going to do today. But before we get to that point, we're going we're gonna to pick up in verse 1 of chapter 2. You want to just read till 7? Yes. Break it in half? Yes. Okay. You want me to read it? Yes, go ahead. And it says, First of all, then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good, and it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God, and there is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. For this I was appointed a preacher and an apostle. I am telling the truth. I am not lying. A teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. Okay, so Paul starts off his message with prayer. And I don't know, maybe you've seen this. I know I've seen this quite a bit. Paul is a man of prayer. I mean, he just is. If if you're in prison, you have nothing else to do, you're going to pray. And so he just lays it out. He goes off and first states um, that he wants, uh, he urged that supplication, prayer, supplication, prayer, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people. So Paul, um, I actually watched uh, a short video of a guy who was doing some commentary over, it was kind of more of like a sermon actually, over Paul and his, and his, and his prayer. Mm-hmm. Um, and one thing that I love that he talked about was how how real and how deep and how intimate Paul is about his prayer life. Because I feel like most of the time when we go and sit down for prayer, whether it's for dinner um, or it's for lunch or it's just a quick prayer when we're in a, in a group, sometimes you have people who pray and it's not all that deep. It's not all that. Because I'm that guy. Like I, I'll be that guy that will that will say, Lord, thank you for this food. Amen. Mm-hmm. But then you have other people who are like, Lord, thank you for the grain. Thank you for, you know, the people who 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 cooked this meal. Who Thank you for the spices. For the spices. <laughs> thank you for my wife for who that cooked it. I mean, they'll go on and on, and it's a very intricate, detailed, very intimate prayer. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's what Paul is showing here. He's displaying like the importance of prayer. Mm-hmm. I like um, at the end of verse one, the last two words he said, or last three words, 
He says for all people. I just thought that was neat because I feel like for us, it's easy for us to pray like for our family or our friends and just people that we care about. But we're also supposed to pray for like our enemies or people who are against us. Yeah. People that maybe we just don't get along with or people who annoy us, people who make us mad. All those people are included in all people. Absolutely. We're not just called to pray for the people we care about. We're also supposed to pray for the people we don't care about. I mean, Paul was praying for the people who placed him in prison. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can't really beat that. (laughs) I mean, that's that's just a great example uh, of a prayer warrior Mm -hmm. because... People want him dead. People want him in prison. People want want his mouth sewn shut. And here he is saying that he wants to pray for these for these kings and these queens and the people who are in power. Um, and more than that, prayer for all people, because Paul understands that the purpose of the gospel is is for all nations and tongues and languages to come to know Christ and worship and bow down to Jesus, mm-hmm. the Son of God, the only living Son of God. He understands that that prayer has to be a part of that because, I mean, you can't, it's, it's just like, it's like meditation, it's like prayer, it's like preparation. You kind of, before you go into something, you just, you prepare yourself for it. And prayer is preparation. For sure. For sure. And I like how he says um, to pray for kings and all in high positions because that's still relevant today. Like, we can still pray for our leaders, not necessarily pray that they'll, you know, do whatever I think's best, whatever's in my best interest, but pray that, like, God would open their hearts, that they would allow Him to be part of, you know, their decision-making. Yes. Because I don't know about you, but I'd rather live under somebody who's making rules that their values go along with mine, which Absolutely. I feel like is kind of how everybody is, right? I mean, that's how that's how our presidency is ran. I mean, it's you have different parties, and I don't want to get too political here um, just because I don't really care about that. I, I care more about the gospel advancing, but in a way... In a way, it all it's all connected, because if you get a, a political leader who who is in charge of your, of the country, and if their party cares nothing about Jesus, then that changes the outlook of of, of America. Right, it and makes that advancing the gospel a lot harder to accomplish. It does, it does, and then and vice versa. Like there are times when we've had great presidents who promote Jesus and they promote the church and. And they're they love our missionaries, and they're trying to take care of of all these people, and you see advan- advancement grow more and more. But I feel like even with today's political parties, whether you're Republican or Democrat, like there are times where both parties, if you just strip down all the nonsense that they're talking about, sometimes I feel like they they run together. For sure, yeah, they they definitely do. 
So, and, and again, I'm not going to go too deep in politics because we that could be an ongoing conversation. <laughs> yeah, that could be a whole podcast in itself. I'm yeah. sure. But it, but it's true. But you're you're praying for the people who are in charge. You're praying for the people who are not even in charge yet, but soon to be in charge. Like right now, we're we're going through the beginning phases of a, of a new election, and like if you're not praying for a president or the upcoming president or like the next president like that that should be a huge part of your your prayer because that's going to change the the dynamic of your faith not of your faith but the dynamic of the country and i mean it goes on to it just goes on to what what Paul had to say like living a living a peaceful and quiet life godly and dignified in every way i mean who wouldn't want that mhm yeah i mean if we're praying for, which we don't ever see here thank the Lord, but if we're praying for a leader that lets us lead a peaceful and quiet life, like that's what we want. We don't want a leader who's going to persecute us for being Christians. We want somebody in there who will let us make that decision on our own to follow Christ. Yeah. Not throw us in jail for it or kill us. You have anything else on there? Mm-mm. The... Next thing I have is on verse 4. Okay. Um, and it says, Who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. I just think that's powerful that God wants us all to be saved. And we have to make that decision on our own. Because I've heard people say before, like they question that of, well, if God's a loving God, why does he send people to hell? And it's not, like, God doesn't send people to hell. People send themselves to hell by not choosing Him. Right. Like, He he gives us that free will because He's such an amazing and loving God that He doesn't want us to be robots. I mean, He could have easily made the world designed that we're forced to worship God and we're forced to follow Him. But there's no, there's no beauty in that because there's no choice. There's no freedom. You don't choose God at that point. You just do whatever you're programmed. You're like a robot or a computer. Right. Which is probably the way that this world is headed. <laughs> All this AI crap. I, I mean, it's becoming more and more relevant these days. I don't even know how advanced our, our world will ever get. But, I mean, people are talking about creating these AI deals that basically can can you know think the way we think and act how we act and you know kind of tailor to us mm-hmm. it's kind of weird stuff but can be programmed to whoever designs it that right. they can force this ai to make decisions based on the programming of it right so like imagine what our world would look like if that's the way god created it that we wouldn't we really all, be living right there would be no purpose in life if we were just programmed and we could only stay within the parameters of our programming. Yeah. Uh, so last week I spoke about, um, I spoke over chapter three in the book of Ephesians to our students. And one thing that stuck out to me was um, verse 17. And Paul goes on to say to the, to, to the church of Ephesus, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love 
may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all of fullness of God. I just feel like his his understanding, his understanding of his faith, his understanding of, of his love for Christ surpasses knowledge. I mean, you can't even really comprehend that. Um, and then being being rooted and grounded in faith. I feel like this is this is where Paul is leading um, in verse four of 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 First Timothy. I mean, you have to have, you have to have a desire for Christ. I, I feel like whenever you come to know Jesus, like you truly that one moment, or there's a moment where where your whole world just your your whole world turns upside down because you finally understand what your parents have been telling you, or you finally understand what, what your pastor has been preaching to you all these years. And it's like, you can't get enough of Christ. Mm-hmm. Like you just want more and more and you want more knowledge and more wisdom and you want more of his love. And, and not only that to hold it for yourself, but you want to give that back to people. Mm-hmm. Like you want to love on, on people who are broken and hurting and be that shoulder and give them, you know, counsel and, and I feel like that's what comes from ha- this faith that's rooted and grounded in Jesus. Yeah. I feel like the way I interpreted it, this was the knowledge of the truth goes along with salvation. Like you've learned, like you were saying, you've learned the truth of Jesus and you want to know more. And I just wrote a little note by it of, like when I read this verse, it just reminded me of Romans ten nine. If you confess with your heart, or confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, then you will be saved. So once you have that knowledge, then you will have this salvation that God desires for us. Yeah, it's beautiful. It is. It, it's it's awesome because people don't realize people don't realize the extremity of. Of of the gospel, like God designed us, Jesus, God designed Adam and Eve to live both both physically and spiritually. Mm-hmm. Like we're not just flesh; we're not just humans of the flesh. Like we have a, we're also spiritual animals, spiritual beings. And after this, there's eternity waiting for us, whether it's in hell or in heaven. And what I want is for people to, to feel what I feel. And at times it's hard to do that because they're not open to it. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's praying for them. I mean, that's what Paul is laying it all out for. I mean, I've heard of stories all the time where, where people have been inviting their best friend to church, but they won't come. They've been praying for them for years but they won't give their life over to Christ. But then that one day, there's just this one day where all of that changes and they confess and they repent and they and they accept Christ into their heart. And it's like, man, I like all this prayer that you put into this one person, like it you finally get to see the fruits from your prayer. Mm-hmm. And this is that this is the power of prayer that Paul is talking about. Because it's so hard to pray for something and imagining it happening, 
because oftentimes I feel like as as Christians, and this is something that I've I feel like I've heard a couple times lately, that we will pray in faith, but there's a difference in praying in faith because you can pray in faith and hope that something happens, but then praying in hope, like praying in the hope of like we know for sure we're going to be in heaven one day. Like that's praying for that hope, like knowing it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. But then people will pray in, in, in faith and in hope, and it's like, man, I hope this happens. I hope I get an A on my test. I hope I get into this school. I, I hope that I can land this big job, you know, or at least get an interview with this job. It's almost like it's an empty, it's empty hope almost. You know what it's I mean? like there's doubt there. Yes. Like you have, you're not, which the Bible says for us to... Pray confidently and boldly. But when we pray like you just said, which I've done too. I'm not afraid to admit that. Yeah, me uh, too. It's like you have a little bit of doubt in God. Without just coming out and saying, I don't think you can do this, God. In the back of your mind, it's almost like you have just that little bit of doubt. So you say, well, I hope this is going to happen. Yeah. You're as not if confident you, As if God. you don't think that God can make it happen. Mm-hmm. I. I think at times, I might have mentioned this before, I think at times when, when we pray, we, we believe, we can say that we believe that God is capable of doing all things. I fully believe that. I believe that God can, is capable of doing anything, whatever He wants to do. Mm-hmm. But sometimes I feel as if maybe God just won't do it for me. Yeah. And I think more people think that way. Like, I believe God can heal me, or I believe God can, can heal, heal people of cancer, but He's not going to heal me. Mm-hmm. And um, I feel like my prayer, my prayer life lately, it's been interesting. I'm not going to lie. It's been very interesting. I've had more people who, in my life who, who are sick or they know someone who experienced death and so praying for this person physically, spiritually, mentally like it's been completely eye-opening mm-hmm. like prayer has. And there's just this one kid that I'm praying over constantly. Probably probably not as much as his mom and his dad because that's very very close, you know, that's their that's their baby. But there's this one kid I've just been praying for constantly. Like, Lord, I just want to see you heal this kid. I do, man. I want to see, I want to see God perform some crazy miracles like, like we saw when Jesus was, was, on the, was walking on the earth. Mm-hmm. Well, why do you think that is that we feel like God can't do that for us but for others? You think it's just that we feel unworthy? I think, for one, there's doubt. Because the, the worst sinner that I know is myself. Mm-hmm. That's the worst sinner that I know. If anyone, if anyone disagrees with, the, like, with that, like I, I know there are murderers out there. I know there are you know, crazy people in this world. But still, the worst sinner that I know is myself. Yeah, in, in your own mind, you know, you're the only person that knows all of your own sin. Yes. 
other than God. And so I think we compare that to what God is capable of doing. And is he willing to do that for us? That makes sense. But it has nothing to do with us. Mm-hmm. It has nothing to do with you. It, it doesn't. God will or he won't. Yeah. Not because of you. Not because of what you said or what you did or, or who you are. It's either his will or it's not his will. Yes. That's how you have to look at prayer. Mm-hmm. Like when you, when you just go back and read Moses whenever he was leading Israelites out of Egypt. Pharaoh, Moses went before Pharaoh several times and was talking with God, praying to God, Lord, I've been doing exactly what you've told me to do. And it, so far it has not happened. I mean, sometimes there's just, you have to be consistent, but it was nothing, it was nothing that Moses did or didn't do. God was going to eventually free Israel. Mm -hmm. It was just a matter of timing. Yeah. And I think that's the other part of it. I think sometimes we're not willing to wait for it. For sure. We just experienced that not very long ago with, because you know that we were like planning to build a house. We were ready to move to Inola, ready to get started on all that. And we'd been praying about it and praying about it. And as much as we wanted to just get ahead of ourselves and jump into it because we were excited, it's like, you know, God was looking out for us because now we've had other stuff come up and multiple signs from God saying, like, not right now, just wait. Yeah. And it's so cool to... It sucks, but it's cool to experience that because you see, like, God's looking out for you. Like, there's a reason God tells you no sometimes, even when you don't want to hear it. Yeah. And sometimes you get to see that reasoning. Sometimes you might not ever notice it. But sometimes you may never know. There's a reason behind it. God doesn't just tell us no because He wants to be mean or doesn't love us or we right. did wrong. Like, He's looking out for us, whether we see it or not. Yeah. And, I mean, it just makes me think of that one that one time, I, I wish I could find the verse, and maybe you'll be able to find it, or maybe you know it, when um, a guy comes before Jesus and says, Lord, if you can heal my son, heal him. Jesus looks at this guy and says, if I can heal your son, what you want to rephrase that question? Yeah, it's not a matter of if. Like, Jesus knew who he was, and he knew who his father was. Mm-hmm. He knows what, what's, what's capable and what's not capable. And so I feel like at times we, we approach Jesus with that same mentality. Lord, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I'm not deserving. I know that I'm, you know, all these different things. But Lord, can you just please, you know, do this for me? We come, we we approach Jesus, I think backwards. That's the wrong way sometimes, mm-hmm. and, it, and it's not a matter of if he can, because he can. Yeah, there's no if about it. He's all powerful, so like, there there's no reason he can't. Yeah, it's just a matter of if you will. Mm-hmm. 
So, do you got any more on that? No, go ahead. Um, just moving to the next verse. It says that there's one God and there's one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. That tells us there's no other way to God except through Jesus. And that's mentioned again in John 14.6 when it says, Jesus said to him, um, oh, he's talking to Thomas, and he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So, I mean, pretty pretty, pretty straightforward pretty right Pretty straightforward, yeah. There's not much question to be left there. Yeah. I think is what I find fascinating is I grew up around the church, but I also believe that my life could have completely gone a different direction mm-hmm. if God wasn't gracious towards me. Because, I mean, I grew up, I, I almost, I, I had a 50-50 chance of living in the streets or, you know, living in the church. Mm-hmm. But like I said, the Lord was gracious to me and he pulled me closer to him. Um, I also wrote down for that um, many people think good works can get them into heaven because I've heard that before and I'm sure you have to at some point in your yeah. journey of well this guy's a good guy so why would your God not allow him to come to heaven and that just made me think reading that verse of what TJ said Sunday, we talked about um, the man, the rich young man that came to Jesus and was like, how do I gain eternal life? And he was like, I checked off this box, this box, this box, and this box. When Jesus asked him, have you done these things? And he said, yes. And then Jesus asked him, or didn't ask him, he told him, go sell all your possessions and give it all away. And the man turned and walked away sad. So it's not just about like checking off the boxes of, okay, I gave to a needy person this week. I prayed. I read my Bible. I went to church. Like Without that relationship with Jesus, all that means nothing. Now, it's important to do that stuff because, like James says, faith without works is dead. So we still have to have those, the works. They're important, but that's not... That's not what gets you to heaven. What gets you to heaven is the personal relationship with Jesus. I yes. Yes. I think too oftentimes um our faith becomes just tradition and we go to church because our mom goes to church or because our dad goes to church. Mm-hmm. And right now we're in high we we teach a bunch of high schoolers in junior high. Some of those kids are forced to go to church. They don't have a choice. Yeah. Because they don't know what's good for them. The truth is, like, God gives you an option, and He can open your eyes, and when he, whenever you see Him for the first time, he, He's like this magnet, and he's, you're just drawn to Him. But there's a world that also is a magnet, and I think a lot of our kids are drawn to the world. Mm-hmm. And if we didn't have parents who put us in church and told us the importance of church and shared the gospel with us, I think we would be in a worse place than we are. Yeah. 
And uh, I mean, I think God can fend for Himself, and I think He there He was going to find a way to get the gospel shared no matter what. I just think too often times we have kids who who are easily lost because they're easily influenced by Instagram, you know, celebrities or TikTokers or video, you know, gamers or YouTubers and and other celebrities like like football athletes and like there's just there's they're easily persuaded and don't get me wrong, like some of these people out there, they're impressive. They're impressive. They're either good looking or they're pretty or they're funny or they're, um, they know how to captivate an audience. Mm-hmm. They're successful for a reason and right. what they do. They're good at what they do. But at the end of their life, do they know Christ? At the end of their life, was it for the kingdom of God? And, and I'm not saying that like we have to live a life that that is always, you know, I'm trying to figure out how to word, how to word this. We don't have to live a life as if we're always in the church door. But it has to be real. Like you can't just proclaim to be Christian and check off all the boxes but then live a double life and remember what your pastor told you on Sunday mm-hmm. or not remember what they told you on Sunday. Yeah. And so I just feel like it becomes it becomes a tradition. It becomes it becomes too religious, and our kids just not not just our kids. I think there's a lot of people who are like this, but yeah, they they check off the box, and then and then they get to the end of their, end of their life, and and they're like, Lord, I I did this in your name. I went to church. I went. Oh, I served on Wednesdays. I you know gave fifteen hundred bucks to that kid who couldn't afford to go to Ethiopia. Yeah, but did you know my son? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but did you love me? Did you confess your sin before my son? Yeah, I agree. And I think starting out, like you said, that magnet kind of pulls you in. But I see a lot of people who get pulled into that magnet and they're just so on fire for God. And then I don't know if it's just they get caught up burnout what it is but many of them they might still do the good works and they might still show up to church but they they lose focus of growing the relationship with Jesus they forget about Jesus in the trying to live the Christian life yeah yep I mean that happens quite a bit um we we've I think ever since I've been coming to the porch, I've heard of more people, not from our church, uh, just people in general, who have deconstructed their faith and have fallen away from the church or fallen away from, um, from ministry or you know from Jesus, and it's heartbreaking. But Paul mentions that it's it, that it happens. Mm-hmm. We'll read about it in a couple chapters. Yeah, we wrote about it. Who was that? Demas. Actually, it was, in yeah. Philemon. We read about Demas. Demas. Who was a servant with Paul, who later turned and followed the world. Is yes. Is that who you're referring to? Yep, that's exactly who I'm referring to. Isn't there someone else that we recently went over? Um, how, where Paul says he gave them into the hands of Satan? Yeah, that was in the last chapter. It was, uh, 
Hymenaeus and Alexander. Okay, yeah. Hymenaeus. That's a name right there. <laughs> and Alexander. Like, these are two people who, who were serving in the church. They were serving side by side with Paul. Think about that for a second. You would say, if you, I bet lots of people would claim today, if they just saw Jesus for their eyes, or if they just served along Paul, or if they just served along the Apostle Peter, or John, or John the Baptist, or whoever, then they could like fully believe and see it for themselves, then yeah, they would have faith. I don't believe so. I believe, I think you either believe or you don't believe, because even during Paul's time, there are people falling away from the church. Even during Jesus' time. Look at Thomas. Thomas. I mean, he literally walked with Jesus, served with Jesus, and then lost his faith and said that he wouldn't believe unless he literally saw the holes in the hands of Jesus in the cut in his ribs. Yeah. Was able to stick his fingers in the cut of his ribs. I just think there are people in this world that are like that. They need a little more. Or they get burnt out, or they get dry, or they... Their passion is just not there. And that's the world we live in. We, all, we always crave more. Whatever we have is never enough. Mm-hmm. Like we're always searching for that next little thing to give us a little more. Whether it be money, whether it be friendships, whether it be faith, in everything, we always are looking for more instead of being satisfied with what we have and growing in that. We're always looking for something a little bit better. I don't know. I, yeah, it's just I don't know. I feel I and this is this is why it's important for prayer, um, and this is why why Paul keeps talking about how like you have to be rooted and grounded in faith. Like to be rooted and grounded, that's like that's like going into your backyard and looking at that tree. And if you could if you could pull that tree out of the ground and realize how deep those roots grow down. I think we would all be pretty amazed. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. look at that huge tree in your backyard that f- that got knocked over by the storm. Yes. That tree's roots are still there. They're still there. That was a massive tree, completely destroyed, but the roots are still firm in their foundation. Right. And I think if if we can just have that that firm foundation where our roots are grown have grown so deep that nothing will, will make us fade or nothing will make us waver. You know, Paul talks about that. Jesus talks about, about that, how we can't be tossed to and fro by the winds of, you know, of the air or by the, by the waves of the ocean. Like, we can't be tossed to and fro. You got to believe in your heart without a doubt. That this is the life that God chose you to live. I, I think for me, I have lived... I'm 26. I'm not that old. I'm, I'm approaching my 30s, I will say. So I, I can definitely see how, how life can just go by so quick. I will say that. But I'm still pretty young for the most part. And I've already encountered a, a, not really a big dilemma in my life, but like, who do I want to serve? You know, do I want to serve myself and go and pursue this big, glorious high-paying job and work for a great company? Or do I want to serve the Lord wherever that leads me? Mm-hmm. And I've had, to, I've had to have that conversation with Jesus and, and say, Lord, I don't know where you're taking me. I'm here for you, though. 
like if that's making bare minimum, but I get to serve you and love you and and go on mission trips and put on D nows and and have house church and be in Inola, a town that I love and for a lot of people, Inola on the outside looks like just a grungy town. But once you get to know the people here, I mean, dude, it it's one of a kind. It changes everything. Yeah. And so I'm I am here for Jesus. Mm-hmm. And you get to further his kingdom and not your own. Yes. And and I'm not trying to glorify myself by any means. I'm just saying for everyone, you have to choose for yourself what's important, what's most important to you. And I'm not saying I'm not saying go and give everything to the poor. I'll let I'll let Jesus, you know, put that conviction or that on your heart. Mm-hmm. If if he's calling you to give everything away and serve him wherever that takes you, then listen to that. But I think there are too many of of, of us again just going back to the real, to the tradition thing. I think too many of us are we just show up to church, check off the box and that we're good. That's all we need. Mhm. You got anything else for the first section? That's that, that's it. Let's head on to the second section. Okay. So the second section, Paul addresses something. He addresses an issue in the church. And um, he actually talks about later on in, in, in this book about how to address certain people in the church, like how to address older men. You, you don't rebuke them, but instead encourage them. And the same thing with anyone younger or same age as you, you encourage them. And uh, now there are times for rebuking. Well, he's addressing an issue here in the church. And there, I'll just go ahead and read it, and then I'll, I'll try my best to explain it. So this is picking up in verse 8. It says, I desire then that in every place the men should, should pray, lifting holy hands without anger or quarreling, Likewise, also that women should adorn themselves in respectable apparel with modesty and self-control, not with braided hair and gold or pearls or, or costly attire, but, but with what is proper for women who profess godliness with good works. Let a woman learn quietly with all submissiveness. I do not permit a woman to teach or to exercise authority over a man. Rather, she is to remain quiet. For Adam was formed first, then Eve. And Adam was not deceived, but the woman was deceived and became a transgressor. Yet she will, she will be saved through childbearing if they continue in faith and love and holiness with self-control. Okay, so this is a controversial topic because um, I know I'm not a woman, but I, I love my wife and um, I wouldn't want any man thinking that they're better than my wife. And I wouldn't want to think that I myself, that I'm better than my wife. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do understand that as husband, as the man in the house, God placed me as, not as head in the church, but as a, as a, as a symbol that as, man, as, as Jesus is head over the church, I am head in my household. I'm leading my wife spiritually, financially, physically, like I'm, I'm her protector, and this is what Paul is addressing. 
because there were times when women during this church time, during this period, where they were either outspoken, they would contradict his word, they would um, put other people down in the church, they would um, kind of separate themselves from other members in the church, mm-hmm. whether that was through their physical appearance, like the things that they wore, their braided hair. These were all symbols of wealth. Yes, that was a big thing they had going then was the women in Ephesus were so focused on showing off their wealth that, like you said, like the braided hair and the jewelry and the costly attire, like they were they were dressing themselves up in a way to show off their status more than they were focused yeah. on being at the church and in God's yeah. word. They were separating themselves. Right. And then, like the... In verse 11, when he says, let the woman learn quietly with all submissiveness, I don't think he's by any means trying to put women down and be like, you need to just sit here and be quiet and listen. Like, he's he's calling out these women who are are causing scenes and, and controversy within the church, and he's like, hey, just let's settle down and just listen. Yeah. Like, we don't need this controversy over these as he as he refers to it silly things that they were quarreling over like he just wants peace within the church that they can study God's word and focus on the importance of God's word more than they are their little arguments that are going on right and there are there are certain things that he mentions um so I just want to go ahead and address them now it says, let a, let a woman learn quietly with all submissiveness. I do not permit a woman to teach or to exercise authority over a man. Rather, she is to remain quiet. Okay, so that can be taken way out of context. Um, Paul is not saying a woman's role is to be quiet in a church. That's not what he's saying. He's saying here, again, we're addressing the issue. The issue is that there are certain women in the church who are overspoken. They're over-domineering. They are confusing the congregation. They're confusing people in the church. They're confusing the younger women in the church. And they're just causing problems. Mm-hmm. And so he's addressing the problem. And the problem is when someone's up on stage, you don't just inter- you don't rudely interrupt their message. And when someone's giving a lesson or teaching, you don't straight up say they're wrong. You kind of talk about it well these women they were just going straight to the point you're wrong mm-hmm. and i think at times even in today's society we see that oh you hurt my baby you shouldn't have done that or what are you teaching on wednesday nights what are you teaching on sundays like whoa why why did my son not get invited to so to this or whatever why did my daughter not get invited to this i think there are times when there are things like that 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 occur in the church that are not necessarily dire, but yet, but yet there are people, I'm not going to say just women, but I think more often not moms are outspoken. <laughs> they can be. Um, and so these women were just speaking out. Mm-hmm. And so Paul addresses the issue. Because one thing that I've noticed since being in ministry is that women are a crucial part of ministry. Like I can't, I can't imagine all the guys in the porch just doing everything. 
Mm-hmm. There are things in the background going on that women are leading. I can't imagine leading leading a women's ministry. I can't imagine going to back in. I don't know when they when they did this, but I can't imagine going to a strip club and and serving the women food and and praying over them and and doing all those things. Those are those are things that God raised Polly Helling up and Christy Schaefer and some of the other ladies in the church to, to you know, place that on their hearts to go and do. I don't think a man can step foot into that building and be able to do what those women did. No, for sure. And the women had roles in the church, even in this time. Like Paul's not just saying that women should have no roles in the church because Paul served alongside a woman. He served alongside um, Priscilla, and then in... I believe Romans, it mentions Phoebe, who is a deaconess in the church. So she had a leadership role within the church. And then I can't remember the name of... There's another one that was a husband and wife who were uh, missionaries who were going out spreading the gospel. So like there, there's a place in the church for the women for sure. Yeah. Which can really be taken out of context in this. And I know I've said it before, but... That's the importance of knowing, not just reading a verse and trying to understand it, but knowing the context, knowing who was writing it, who were they writing to, what were they writing about, because without context, this verse can easily be taken out of it. Yes. Yep. And misinterpreted. Yes. So that's the controversial thing there. Um, I think even in today's world, whether you live in a country where it's more man dominated, which people will say America is the same way, um, but it's not as extreme. Like it, there are other countries where, like women can't wear whatever they want, mm-hmm. they can't say whatever they want. They, you can't even look at another woman if she's married, without offending someone. Right. Like things are completely different in other countries, in certain countries. Here in America, it's completely different, but yet. I can't be the judge and say that a woman can't lead as a head pastor. Scripture is saying that, and again, this might even be a little deeper, a little further than, you know, than what I, that I know, because I know that there are women in ministry that God is using right now as lead pastors. Um, and then, you know, who am I to say that she's in the wrong for doing that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I I agree. Like I I can't say for sure exactly what Paul meant by this. All we can do is use the context that we're given of the times when this was written. Right. So, I mean, like you said, I can't I can't condemn a woman pastor if that's what God's calling her to do. Who am I to say that, you know, it's wrong? Now, scripturally, I I really don't know. To be honest, like yeah. I don't know the exact answer to that. I do feel like there are roles, like men are put more into leadership roles scripturally. But I mean, if if that's a, a gift that God gave to a woman and a calling that God gave to a woman, who am I to who am I to interfere with that? Right. Those are the, those are the things that are again, people have a really tough time 
talking about. And um, that's just in chapter 2 uh, of 1 Timothy. I mean, can you imagine writing this to a, a 20-year-old boy and saying, hey, I need you to share this with the church? Yeah. <laughs> Listen here, woman. You need to sit down and be quiet. <laughs> <laughs> this is just what Paul said, not me. Just right, saying. Right. I'm just I'm just delivering the message. Here. Right. <laughs> and later on, he he talks about. I think it is in. I think it's chapter five. He talks about how to not let his youth. Chapter four. Chapter four. Mm-hmm. To not let his youth um, deter him from sharing the word, or from encouraging, or from correcting people. And so there, like the Timothy is is placed in a really tough spot, but God needs him right now. Sometimes I feel like, I feel like we all feel that way at times. Like Lord, I I don't know if I can do that. Mm-hmm. This is kind of awkward. But like He needs you to do that. Yeah, He's you're, called you're you. placed in that position for a reason. Yeah. I 100% did not want to come to the porch. I didn't, not because I didn't like anyone, but because I didn't feel as if I was called to be a youth minister. Mm-hmm. I, I told myself I wasn't. But God proved me wrong. He laughed and was just like, we'll see. <laughs> and then next thing I know, I'm having a, a meeting at Bill and Ruth's with TJ over a youth minister position. And it was something that I didn't know I would really love. And, and now looking back, or looking looking back in two years in, I'm like, this is where I want to be. Yeah, now you probably couldn't imagine have not chosen this path. Yeah. So I think there are times when we're, we feel like we're stuck having to make a tough decision or do something challenging but if you just walk into it with faith, you have no clue how God's going to bless you in that. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's countless times. It's just been blessing after blessing for people throughout Scripture. Just just walking in faith. God tells you to do something. I, like, I don't think, and I've talked about Moses already, and I've talked about Stephen. I, I, need, to, I need to find some more people. <laughs> but I don't think they, they realized that their faith would be written down for every generation to read. Mm-hmm. Without their faith, they wouldn't have been written down in this in this scripture, or they would have gone down as as uh, as one of the people who who are an embarrassment. I guess mm-hmm. I don't know. One of the examples of what not to do. Right. One of the examples of what not to do. Yeah. I watched uh, that Sound of Freedom movie. And they had one quote in there that I thought was really cool, and it kind of goes with this. And the guy said, um, when God calls you to do something, you cannot hesitate. And it's so true. Like, even if it doesn't make sense, you got to do it. Like your youth minister thing. You didn't want to be a youth minister. If you ask TJ, he says the same thing. He said he would never be a youth minister. But God called him to do that, and he listened and now he's a pastor of a church. Like God will do big things in your life yeah. if you just listen to his callings and follow them. Yeah. Even if they don't make sense. And he can bless you in that. I think that's the piece. I don't know, we shouldn't just live off blessings, right? We shouldn't 
we shouldn't think, like, if I do this, maybe God will bless me. Yeah, I don't want to preach prosperity gospel right. by any means. But I think through obedience, there is blessing. I, I, I firmly believe that. I believe, again, what the blessing looks like. I'm not going to say He's going to bless you financially, but I do believe that He can bless you in every act of obedience. Mm-hmm. And even if He doesn't bless you, maybe your obedience will bless someone else. Right, maybe your obedience can be a blessing to someone else. That's yeah. 100% true. This, the gospel, the faith, like salvation, that's a blessing to us. Like I talked about that last week, how some of these guys endured some crazy stuff just so that you and I can have this faith. Mm-hmm. Like that's a blessing to us. We don't have to be crucified. We don't have to worry about our heads being chopped off. We don't have to worry about someone raiding our house because we have a Bible sitting on our counter. We don't, those are things we don't have to worry about. Like, mm-hmm. It's a blessing. Just waking up every day and knowing the fact that God still chooses us every day is a blessing. Yes. No matter what. Yes. Some good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I love this book. Me too. I, I, so far, I love Timothy. I'm glad we, we chose, uh, chose this book to go through. Do you have anything else to add? Mm-mm. All right. That concludes chapter two. Uh, we will pick up in chapter three next week. Woohoo! So again, as always, if y'all have any comments or questions or concerns, uh, we, do have, we do have that questionnaire, that Q&A thing on Spotify, maybe on, maybe on Apple Podcast. Reach out to us. Um, if you have our phone numbers, text us, call us. We're here. People are asking questions, and I think that's what makes these podcast sessions so special is because we know people are actually listening to it. For sure. So, And even if you don't agree with, like, I mean, we talked about some controversial stuff today. If you don't agree with it, leave us a comment. We still like to hear your side, what, yeah. your thoughts. Especially opinions. if you have something to add to the message. Like, just this past Sunday, Cam Reeves sent me a text message of his notes and that's special. That's pretty cool. I mean, there's not very many people who are going to go out of their way to share something to add on to, you know, a message or a sermon. So if you have questions or not questions, if you have notes or maybe there's a Bible verse or a song that popped into your head and you just want to share that with us, I mean, that would lift up my day. Me too. So, all right. Well, that's it. So I guess we'll see you next week. Adios. Adios.